Welcome to The Visible Leader, the podcast that challenges conventional leadership and inspires you to create a workplace culture that empowers your team. Join me as I talk to thought leaders and change makers about practical ways to apply new learning and rethink the status quo. Get ready to become a visible leader in your organization. I do feel very lucky to be introducing you today, Neil, because someone recommended I speak to you and they said you were very lovely, very generous with your time, but they were a bit surprised that you took the time out because you're quite a name in the leadership world and turns out they're right. You are being very generous to give me your time today and you are one of the UK's top leadership development experts. I think I wrote that. (laughs) I'm completely believing it. Okay, I've read your book and you are good. Um, you have done several other things and I'm going to list a couple of them. I'm not going to get them all, but so you were a serving officer in the British Army. You led expeditions around the world. You taught leadership at Sandhurst. And when you left the military in 2009, you've worked with many, several, how, how many organisations, you think? Oh, I don't know. I mean, over Loads. the last 10 or 15 years, I don't know, tens, hundreds? Like, mm-hmm. like it depends what you oft, often just one person in an organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were awarded an OBE in 2021, which is pretty cool. So, the reason I'm interested in chatting with you is having been looking at your book, the leadership book, which we were just chatting about, uh, which is what I really like is how super practical it is. It's not just theory, it's about doing, which just totally appeals to me and my community. I think that's kind of important. The other thing is your TED Talk, pause and allow how controlling less can be the key to success. So, Neil Jurd, welcome to the show. Thank you, Corinne, and thank you for that lovely, lovely introduction. It's, It's great to be here, really nice to meet you. Yeah, no, really, really lovely to meet you too. There's a good thing about doing this podcast, actually. I'm just getting to meet such lovely people. So the theme of the show really is looking at some of the conventions around leadership that we accept and it's just normal and even rewarded, but have unintended consequences. So the focus of today is the answer to the question that you often hear if you say to leaders how are things and the answer is often very busy okay it's just yeah so so standard it's like a badge and you had a really nice little phrase um i think it was in your ted talk saying the dark side of busy so neil what did you mean by the dark side of busy yeah in the in the ted talk i refer to a a meeting at a coffee shop just just up the, I, I live in Kendal and uh, a coffee shop in the next village along from here. So somebody said, how are you, Neil? And, and I, I said exactly that. So I said, I said, busy. And he said, good, good. And, and it, that really struck me. I, I just thought, gosh, you know, people, I, I meant busy, kind of hoping for a bit of sympathy. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. And um, actually, we we consider busy a sort of a, a badge of honour, a, a, a sign of success. And we associate it with, you know, with kind of how life should be. And increasingly, I've come to believe that that's not the case. 
that that dark side of busy is the busy where you you don't really have time for the stuff that matters. You, you don't you don't have time for your friends, for your your core relationships, the people you love. You don't have time to look after yourself. You don't have time to stay fit, to feed yourself properly. And it's all because somehow work has taken over. And I just think that's wrong. We're, we're at our most effective as people and and therefore as, as leaders when we've got the time to look after ourselves, the time to nurture ourselves, the time to think, the time to connect. So really it's about putting process back in its place mm. and, and being more focused on purpose, the things that we that matter to us that we're trying to achieve. That's that's the kind of the core of the, the TED talk. That's the TED talk su- summarized in a in a minute or whatever. <laughs> Still worth listening to though, folks. <laughs> There's more to it. I'm hearing you and I I mean it all feels like really sound. And then I'm tuning into my leaders who I've worked with over the years and I can feel them say to me, that's all very well. But how? How how to get to that place? Because, you know, I had I was thinking about the types of things they might say to me that would be, but so yes, but you know. So like the first one was kind of, yes, but I might want that, but there are stakeholders out there that are making demands on me and I have to satisfy that. So how can I shift into a different way of being if I've got these multiple demands on me? I just wondered how you'd reply to them. Yes, but is often people saying, tell me how, isn't it? It's like they, mm. they really want to and they're just there's just this kind of obstacle. And I, I think, and again, I, I actually I say in the talk, I talk about bravery about you you have to be brave to work in this way so a lot of organizations maybe most organizations have evolved a way of working which is quite relentless and particularly post-covid i think online work can be even more relentless because the natural breaks that we used to have moving from one location to another have gone and we the next meeting just pops up on the screen after after the current one um a lot of its organizational culture mm. perhaps 90 percent of the problem is culture and the fact that in most organizations it either is better or we think it's better to be seen to be busy to be seen to be doing kind of earning our money and a lot, a lot of people in leadership positions have never been taught how to lead but genuinely, they'll have done a 20, and you'll have come across this, I'm yeah. sure, they'll have done a 20 or 30-year career and never been taught how to lead. They'll have done management courses. that they'll, they'll know how to manage absence or they'll know how to run the uh, the leave system or to, or to allocate transport or whatever they do. They'll be good at the process, but they've never understood the concept of leading, about knowing what you're trying to achieve and connecting with people to get it done. And that's really essential because leadership is about an effect. It's about purpose. And if, a, if an organization has, has that culture, 
where you are focused on something and that's what matters not 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 the process by which you get to it just just the objective people are measured by what they've achieved not by how many hours they've put in mm. and it, and it, it's the it's the tendency to measure people's performance by quantity rather than quality which leads which i think is what what traps people in most most organizations so i think there's some bravery i think i think sometimes it's about as a boss so if you if you own the environment it's about saying look all i'm interested in here is having a great culture and achieving our objective how you do it you've got freedom i'm not going to be looking over your shoulders um, i don't want to be kept in every loop don't copy me in because all those things clutter the brain with with irrelevance and detail and drag drag the leader into other people's jobs if you're not the leader if other people are above you well you've got to address this you've got to think about what culture would allow you to be most effective and you've you've got to be able to discuss that you you you, sh- you should be brave enough that moral courage i think is important in anyone in a leadership position and if you believe in what you're trying to achieve then that is usually enough to make you brave to think hold on what i'm doing here matters so i'm going to speak to the to my boss and i'm going to explain why i could do it better if we worked in a different way if your objective isn't important enough for you to do that to be brave well why are you doing it Mm. Should, should you not be looking for a job that excites you a bit more yeah yeah i i mean i think um the purpose question is so at the core of this, isn't it? And actually, how often do you work with teams where their clarity of that is non-existent? They actually don't, they don't really know. And, I, and, and they don't know why they're together as a team and what their shared goal is. They're all workers. Yeah. <laughs> In my book, Corinne, there's a, a diagram which you, you, you may have seen, which is a target with some arrows going straight onto the target and others going in the right direction but missing it. And that's um, that's how I see people in, in lots of teams. You can normally spot the, the person who's just going completely the wrong way and people yeah. normally don't. But you'll get people who are doing the right sort of thing, what they've always done, what they've usually done, but it isn't really focused on the objective. It doesn't differentiate your organisation from from the competition and a a lot of leadership is about making sure that purpose is well I I use the term clear and compelling so Mm. absolutely clearly expressed and understood and compelling something people want to do it it motivates them it gets a bit of emotion going in them Mm. I mean we're kind of straying about off the subject of busy but there's there's a part in the book that or just when I've read about you which is can leadership be taught or is it innate there are because i'm interested in your view of this because i've i've coached people where they didn't appear to be naturally leaderful it's <laughs> like ain't no word i'm okay about that and thinking about people i've worked with where it didn't really work out you know they had a leadership role but it didn't work out because that that is sometimes what happens. They were wanted to be popular. They didn't want to 
set themselves apart. They didn't want to give feedback unless it was easy to do. You know, it's like naturally hard to do that sometimes. And and so stepping into that role didn't work out for them. And when I look at them, I think, is that because it's in you or it's not? Or is it because it's either you want it or you don't? Like if you wanted it enough, you could learn those things. I think people have different starting points, which and some of that will be genetic and a lot of it will be down to upbringing. Mm. You know, the kind of the, the clutter that gets put in us by family and the key relationships when we're growing up that um, either exemplify good leadership or uh, I, I guess if you've come from a family where you are shouted at and um, told exactly what to do and punished if, if it's not done, that sets the conditions for the way you're going to interact with people later on in life, unless unless you can break that chain. Or if you're never allowed any freedom to make a decision, you know, again, these, these things carry through into life. Um, some people do just get leadership more naturally than, than others, because probably because they've been taught inherently from a very young age how to lead they just didn't know they were being taught but they but they had the right role models um however i think anyone can learn to lead um or pretty much anyone unless they're very damaged and have got a you know a really really well i think i think very damaged is probably the best way to put it Mm. but Mm. but anybody else who tries to learn to lead can and probably anyone can improve their leadership and and i I think, so. again, the whole premise behind my book is leadership is easy. And in some ways, that's why I've been surprised that the book has has such an impact on people because I genuinely think everything I wrote is really obvious. And it is. There's, I don't write anything that I don't think people would read and, and say, no, that's I have a, a contrary opinion. I think I'm stating the obvious that people just know Um about being decent to people and working out where you're going and building a team. You know, it's all it's all really obvious, but people haven't been taught it. No. And they've probably never sat down and thought about it. So any leadership training will have a huge impact on people who otherwise are um, living out deeply embedded learned behaviours. They're, they're being like that manager they had in their first part-time job on a Saturday at Tesco's 25 or 30 years ago. They're, they're, they're models of what good leadership or of what being in charge look like are not necessarily positive leadership models. Mm. Um, I found with coaching, coaching leaders, often you've got to assume that they don't know anything about leadership, like literally nothing. They can't differentiate between management and leadership, mm. which are terms that get... Mixed up I, lo- I love your definitions of those. I think I'd like you to, when you finish, just to define them because I read them and I was thinking, okay, that's, that is actually slightly different than I've looked at previously. So that would be useful. Yeah. Yeah, no, happily. Um, to coach people in leadership, often I would start by explaining what leadership is because trying to coach the answers out of someone who's never understood the concept of leadership or doesn't understand the stages of team development, or or doesn't understand the different levels at which we communicate, 
probably impossible actually without sometimes saying look here's a bit of theory just let me explain this concept to you and then we'll coach how it applies to you and I I see answering that the question you you threw in there Corinne I I see leadership as being about people and management being about stuff We, we manage time space resources process really and we lead people and leadership I talk about being uh, about increasing our impact in the world so not doing not doing a bit more work actually leadership you shouldn't need to work any harder as a leader than as a any other position in the team it's not about carrying all the stress it's about increasing your impact by engaging other people and I, and I differentiate that into emotionally uh, emotional engagement and intellectual engagement like getting their heart beating a bit faster, but also having a structure that they're pulled into um, in pursuit of a clear and compelling purpose. So leadership's mm. about having a bigger impact by connecting with people. And in, I've got a, a doodle video we made a couple of years ago where I summarise it as connection and direction. Connect mm. with people, have a clear direction, sense of direction, not, not about controlling and directing people, about being very clear what direction you're going in. I think um, it, it resonated where where you said about your model of leadership might be somebody that you were managed by, and 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 it's like being in charge. That phrase. Um, mm. I think I see some people like become leaders, and then they become something else. They like turn into this thing, and it's it's like it jars when they describe some of the scenarios that and and how they've handled it. Because I feel like, hey, if I think I'm chatting with you three months before you turned into this role, you would have probably described instinctively it different, potentially differently than that. But it's like this thing, you know, you've put on this coat and suddenly it's like, I'm in charge, therefore I need to be a certain way. I, do you know, it's funny you say that coat. I, I was working with a, a team last week and it was a university team, but the senior leader there was talking about a boss that she had worked for in another university. And this boss had talked about putting on a cloak of leadership, almost like a Harry Potter cloak of invisibility, and, and playing the part of a, of a leader at work and separating work from home. Now, I, I don't agree with that. At all, I, I think mm. that's terribly exhausting to ha- to have a, a a difference between who you are and who you're presenting yourself as. It makes it really hard to connect with people. Who, who, what are they connecting with? Actually, what mm. what's the real you? You can't connect with the illusion of 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 a, yeah. of a person. Yeah, it's funny Co- mm. coats or cloaks. No, absolutely not. You should be. I, I think you know. Yeah, I, th- I was just thinking, you know, we, we started talking about this sense that being busy and what that might mean. And I was thinking, you know, we're straying into other areas, but I think this 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 other area is another leadership kind of idea that you're two different people and this work-life balance as if, like, work isn't your life, you know, and it's just <laughs> like a continuation of you, isn't it? I I would find that really hard myself and I've probably I mean everything again everything I've ever written has has come out of my own learning which somewhere along the line I'll I'll have got it wrong and I suspect early on I maybe all the way through I've I've strayed into the 
the temptation to play the part. But as, I, as I've got older, I've realised more and more how ridiculous playing the part is. Because yeah. then every decision you make has to go through a two-stage process of like, there's what would I do? But then yeah. actually, what would the character that I'm playing yeah, yeah. do? It's, you yeah, know, Lee you become, What would Lee yeah. do? <laughs> and, it, and it's just, it's, it is it is exhausting. I can't think of a better way of putting it, to have a two-step process in every decision. And you also lack or, or, or miss out on the support of others by being leader you. Mm. You, you don't feel this. I mean, leaders need support of the teams that they're in. And leaders with cloaks don't get that support, and I, that emotional support. Yeah, that emotional support. Because the vulnerability thing kicks in with this, doesn't it? It's, a, it's about allowing people to see that real version of you so that they can connect with you. And I, and I actually was looking at something this morning that you put up. It's, 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 a, it's a quote. It's like a one-pager in, in my book. But it's basically leadership is a leadership sees themselves as just another member of the team, but one whose function is leading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and by that I mean you're not more important because you're the leader. It's just it's just mm. the thing you have to be good at. And I I, I I expand on this in in the text a bit further on. That the, the thing that you have to be good at if you're in charge is leading. Mm. That's your responsibility is to be the best you can possibly be at leading that team. But it doesn't make you better than the other mm. people in the team. It's just your role is to is to own the interpretation of the objective and then to gather the energy and look after and nurture other people in moving them towards that objective but that it, it shouldn't be done from a position of, of above it's in it a should, power dynamic yeah yeah it should be yeah. weird and um, yeah but you've got to be quite confident in your own ability to lead with rather than above. Above gives you a barrier that you can hide behind mm. and also that the people below you in that barrier you've created can hide behind. And you, you end up with mm. truth and information and ideas not flowing. I mean, it's just it's so obviously not good for a team. There is never any benefit in in a uh, the sort of team you'd want, the sort of culture you'd want. There's never any benefit in having a rank divide you might have different levels of responsibility but any kind of rank or status divide i mean you you must have seen this corinne i guess but status oh my, rank gets in yeah. the way oh people think that when i get that job title yeah <laughs> i'm going to have that uh, authority and that mm. will bring me authority and it's it's interesting how it doesn't work like that necessarily or you can push something but it's not really what you would be hoping for um and my yeah. first first uh, conversation i had was with philippa from maiden in bath where they are i don't know if you've heard of um maiden they're um i think i have but I, i'm racking my brain so. yeah yeah they, they are fully um self-managed teams they completely transitioned several years ago so now they don't have any of that traditional hierarchy and they work in a particular way that that is very different and it's really interesting just understanding how that works a lot of process a lot of management within it 
because there's a lot of ways in which they work in order to make that work successfully. So, but taking away that hierarchical power, mm. I think it's created creativity and innovation and, and you know, lot, lot, and like quality of life, I think, for people that work there. Um, That's the theory brought to life beautifully. Mm. I think the quality of life. Well, so why was the quality of life better? What, what, what was happening that made it better? I think from the conversations, because it was so mindful what they did and what they are continuing to do, that, that people were brought in on how it was happening. There were, there were like working groups of like, how are we going to make decisions or how are we going to do this? So just imagining being part of that environment and feeling that you've got a stake in how it works and how we will work and knowing that it's not just hierarchical. And I, I suppose, I don't, I'm not saying that that is the answer for every organization. And I'm sure that you can create the right type of leadership in a more of a hierarchical scenario. But what you were saying there about taking away that sort of um, dynamic of power so that the leader has got some extra thing control um be interesting to see how that you know how that works throughout i've led various things over the years and and um i doubt i've ever been the cleverest person and i don't say this with this isn't like false modesty it's just it's just statistically likely to be a reality i've i doubt i've ever been the cleverest person in any team that i've led so the idea that every decision has to be made by me, so where, where because I think that's the same in, in any organisation, and the bigger what you lead is, the less likely it is the people in charge are going to be the cleverest. But, but even if they are, it's a total nonsense to clutter up those senior brains with every decision and, and, and to mm. switch, effectively you're switching off all of the, all of the, brain power throughout the organization because decisions can only be made by the most senior people and therefore actually only the most senior people ever do any thinking and they're caught up in everything mm, we've circled back to busy <laughs> yeah well yeah and, it, and and it does and that's you know the second part of, of of my ted talk was around the idea of allow the concept of allowing as a leader rather than controlling mm. controlling is rather a negative energy and it seems to I, I even when I said the words when I was writing the talk I thought gosh control you can feel it's closing stuff in that word it's there's something about the structure of the word whereas allow is expansive uh, and I think where you, where you create a culture where you allow people in fact more than allow you expect people but but you give them the freedom and the space mm -hmm. and the support to think and to create and to grow which it sounds like what do maiden do what's their their it company for um healthcare um nhs so that's as far as i can say <laughs> when it's anything to do with it and software yeah, um yeah. but because of that background they were used to working in sprints and agile so they had that kind of place mm. to start but i think the thing they did was go well, actually, if it works so well with those teams, how, how about it? How would it work across the whole organization? So 
but yeah that that idea of um switching everybody's brains on yeah i think you know another badge wearing phrase which i can just see see a couple of leaders (laughs) i've worked with in the past where they say they're control freaks but they don't say it negatively (laughs) no you know but while they're controlling they're slowing things down all of these and i'm not saying you shouldn't have any control You you have to have some sort of a system of probably boundaries that people know that they can't cross without discussion and check-ins just so you know when you've achieved certain things or that you're on track to to deliver. Um, But generally speaking, bosses who control slow things down, make other people nervous, create a, a culture that's focused as much on pleasing the boss as meeting the objectives, there's actually a, mm. it, it distracts the pure flow of energy towards the objective. And it usually comes from that leader's own needs. It's meeting their need for control rather than the objective's need for control. The, the culture rarely needs it. You know, very few of us mm. have, well, I, I think if I asked anyone, do you want to work for a controlling boss? They, they'd say no. So why why do any of us think that being a controlling boss is a good thing? Because yeah. none of us want that boss. I suppose insecurity kicks in, doesn't it? Mm. That sense of not feeling secure. Now, what are they're unsecure about? Their their team's capability. Yeah. The quality of the work. I mean, you hear so many times that you're just it's better if I do it myself. That. And I always go, or it could be, or it could, you know, when when people say I'm delegating more and I, and I've let go of the, you know, the the fact that it will be better if I do it myself, I'm like, or it might be better. How scary would that be? <laughs> but there's something wrong if them doing it is the answer. This their system isn't working, and and actually they've they've got to step back. As soon as they can, sure, they might be in something they can't step out of. You know, it could be an absolute emergency. And in this instance, you have to step in and do it and make the decision and control the activity. But as soon as you can, you have to step out and go, gosh, why did I have to step in? How am I not going to step in next time? And and Mm. I think, as you say, it's often because you don't trust the people and you don't trust the people either because they don't know what they're achieving or because the culture's wrong or because they're the wrong people or because they're not trained but there'll be there'll be something in there there will be a reason why that system doesn't work and the effective leader creates a system which works without the leader being a cog in any process Mm. and that's like a really purist level of thinking but i i you know i run a, a, a leadership company now, as, you, as, um, as you're probably aware, and we run quite a lot of courses, but I, I'm not in the process of those courses. I'm really not. I, we, we all flow and um, there's a lot of allow, actually. I trust the people mm. that deliver the courses for me and the people that do the coaching. And it, and it, it works and it's not, it's not stressful. Have you had times where you've done allow and it's not worked and you've felt like getting stuck back in again? I don't think so. 
I'm, I'm racking my brain. Certainly not, not lately. No, no. I've, I've mm. taken things over. So I ran a, a, a large um, voluntary organisation for for a few years, and when I took it over, it needed more more involvement. But even then, I saw my involvement as being getting the objective right and then getting the people right and then being able to step out as soon as I can, as soon as I could. But it, it took a, a couple of years before I could actively not be conscious of what was going on. I did I did then have a feeling that things could could go wrong unless I was given more information than I weirdly so more information than I felt comfortable with but I, I kind yeah. of had but I find it clutters my brain if I'm if I'm if I'm given too much routine information it stops me being able to think what next what could we try mm. where could we be going you know the, the 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 better ideas the creative ideas the the mm. innovation that keeps something moving forward becomes very very difficult when you're in every tiny loop i mean it it, even though we've we've strayed around the houses a little bit i just see this busy executive and that it's not possible to do all of those things that you've talked about if you are like you say in every single piece Mm. i think possibly less senior managers leaders what I, what I notice, and this is a cultural thing as well, is um, this classic thing of they're really, really good technically, so they are then yeah. put in the leadership role, given no training or given training eventually. But um, and then they're doing both jobs, so they're a so they're like a cog, and then they're also adding on that extra job which it's a bit kind of difficult to, you know, it's, it's, it's not how many hours does that take? How much have their time is it? Because they are literally doing both things. And I see them drowning and really drowning. And some of them drown because like that probably isn't that leadership role probably isn't something they really want actually, but maybe if it was done differently in a different culture, it would be something they could grow to, do but other other people are quite technical and they really did love their technical type role and they don't really want the leadership but there's no other career progression so it's either lead or Mm. or you know tread water you must see this all the time as well this double thing you know you've got two jobs now that you've got to do in the same amount of time Uh, and of course you haven't really got two jobs to do you've just carried your last job with you into your present one yeah you can lead an organization without knowing in detail what the people you lead are doing. There is a way of leading. If you get your team right, you've got your trust, you've got your objective, but the relationships are everything, then you don't need to know everything the finance director is doing. Now, if you've got the wrong finance director or you you have a reason not to trust your finance director, then, then you need to know everything your finance director is doing clearly. clearly. But a lot of that's down to selecting the right people um, mm. and then making sure that you've got people that, that you can trust. The, the leader who gets into that technical 
that you know the, the next promotion up in their technical s- sphere again has almost never and i can say that with certainty because of all the organizations i've worked with prior to what i've done these people will have had no meaningful leadership training so so they go up a level but they don't understand the the difference in how they can work and that their job mm. now is to gather and enable others rather than to just be the best and busiest practitioner so so they're very often yeah. they're just working harder they're getting involved mm. in everything they don't really know what to do so they just think that they have to do more they have to justify yeah. I talk about senior leader guilt quite often. The fact that I've been promoted, I'm kind of now above all my mates, all, all the people I've worked with for years. I need to justify it. So I better justify it by doing more, by showing them that I'm being paid more because I'm doing more. And, and actually you achieve so much more when you can step back from that busyness and, mm. and and have an effect on the whole team and g- gathering the energy of that team. It's because people don't know. They just haven't been taught it. They haven't read it. They don't know where to go for the information. So they manage like the manager that was there before them. And, yeah. and things never change. You know, you said about um, they've not actually handed or that they've not left behind their old job. So they've just brought that with them and now they're trying to do both. Do you think, again, the cultural expectation is that they will do both you, do you see that or do you think that this is a personal thing where actually their comfort because I think you're in the book you've got some leadership profiles I one of them you've described there isn't it is it com- the comfort yeah I call it comfort working which um, yeah it's the idea that it's the stuff they know if if the boss is looking at them, well, at least they're busy. You know, look, I, I did yeah. 10 hours a day. I'm, I'm busy. Uh, but it's not the 10 hours of useful work, actually. It's not, it's not work that would have taken the company forward. It's, it's, it's just routine and process type, type work. Um, I don't think any business benefits from that style of work. One leader who's, who is themselves doing 10 hours and working weekends while their team aren't feeling any extra pressure and very often are taking, you know, live, living a very good life underneath this boss, it doesn't make any sense, actually. No. The boss is often, this, that sort of boss is often doing irrelevant activity that doesn't contribute at the right level. That isn't to say that sometimes you don't get stuck in. Sometimes the best thing you can do is spend a day on the shop floor, just, just with people, working with people, understanding. But you're doing it to take the temperature as a leader, not because mm-hmm. your actual work should be an essential part of the process. Because again, if it is, your team doesn't work. No, that's an interesting idea. So it's not just an extra pair of hands. You're actually got your brain in there. Yeah, yeah, your brain there. And you're also building connections. This idea mm. that a huge part of leadership is having the strongest possible connections with the people you work with so while you're there you chat to them you get to know them you get to understand mm. what drives them what their family situation is the, the more people know each other the less friction you you get in a group that leads really nicely to another question i was super curious about so 
I've worked in cultures where there are the dynamic between um, the directors, the board, and other people in the organisation can be, can be different. So we've got one where there's a little bit more of a socialising culture and all of them socialise. It's just part of the way they are. Probably a bit of a drinking culture, whether or not that's fading out probably now. But I always look at that and I do wonder to myself how easy that is, being that friendly, being that casual. And I always think if I was in that organisation, I'd hold back. And I just wondered about that balance between being available and vulnerable and being normal, Neil, and mm. then actually feeling like you need to hold back something <laughs> rather than get completely wasted, <laughs> completely wasted, Neil. Yeah, I'd be wary of being completely wasted, Neil, N not just because it, it hurts <laughs> the next day. I'm <laughs> probably too old for that. But I think you can have really good, honest, trusting relationships without it being based on excessive consumption and craze craziness. So, you know, there are plenty of ways of really getting to know people. You can go for tea or coffee with them. You can go for walks with them. You can you can go out somewhere nice for the day. You know, there's, there's things you could do as a group that aren't hedonistic that mm. will build a, a really good team. I'm not saying, actually, if if your group does like to go for a, go for a drink, that's absolutely absolutely fine if it, if it suits everybody in the group to do so um, it can be quite excluding if not everybody in the group wants to be going for big drinks you know if you've got young children at home or a relationship that doesn't support you going off and doing those sorts of things or, or you don't drink um, it can be it can be quite um, quite excluding rather than inclusive but I do think that the closer the relationships are in a team the better, as as long as they're not exclusive strong relation. You know, as long as there aren't different mm. strengths of relationships within the well, team. Well, I was wondering about that. Yeah, yeah, you can. Then you start to get cliques and mm. favoritism, and, and you know, clearly, you don't want that. You want a flow of openness and honesty and trust between people. And going back to something that I I said earlier, I think your purpose and some leadership training again, will give you the bravery that even if you get on really well, you can have a difficult conversation. And in fact, because yeah. you've worked on your culture, having a difficult conversation isn't difficult. And I, I think yeah. the, the best teams that I've been part of are ones where we can tell each other something's wrong. I, I, I actively like, and I'm sure you'll understand this, people who tell me I'm wrong because it stops me making a, a mistake. And I like the fact that our relationship is such that someone, you know, my, um, probably the best two I see, you know, second in command that, that, that I've worked with would often tell me I was wrong, often. And he was always, he was always right. And we're, we're really good friends. In fact, we, we work together now in my current job. Um, mm. I, I think that that's fine. We, you know, in that instance, we have a very good friendship but when it's work related, we can we can disagree, but disagree as mm. friends. I mean, I so I as I said, worked with Steve, my husband, for many years. 
we did have lively debates about who was wrong. (laughs) And people used to say to me, God, I don't know how you work with your husband. And I think to myself, God, I don't know how I'd work with somebody that isn't because I can just be so, so honest and just be, don't even have to cover it up. You don't even have to like sugarcoat it. You know, I was was sensitive. I I wasn't like ripping him down, but we both were totally direct about what was right, what was wrong, what we really stood for and then we'd give way as soon as we realized we were wrong and it was just such a healthy dynamic but it could look a bit fiery because sometimes we'd shout each other about you know we'd get a bit heated because you really felt strongly but because it was so much trust it was fine as long as you can be wrong I think that's that's fine I think it's an organization where you can't be wrong where you can't question things Again, you're not using the whole brain of the organisation. The organisation starts mm. to to thin down to a, this is what we believe, and if you disagree with what yeah. we believe or you question what we believe, you're wrong. And and that kind of group think is is really limited, really damaging. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I mean, we're coming to the end of our time, and it's just been fascinating. I've I've loved it. It's it's been a really interesting chat, Corin. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's been lovely. Um, anything that we haven't said that you'd like to share? What Anything else that you've got coming up that you'd like to tell people about? Or where can they get your lovely book? Well, the book is, uh, is I mean, Amazon, unfortunately, is the easiest place to, to buy it. It's also in some branches of Waterstones, but it's on. you can get it online through any of the bookshops. Uh, or the Sandhurst shop, which is an online, the Sandhurst Trust shop from the, the Royal Military Academy. Um, so, yeah, you can get the, the book there. Uh, I've also got an online video platform called Leader Connect, which uh, mm. has got quite a lot of free content and interviews that we've recorded with leaders. People might find that that interesting. And yeah, that's that's probably. I mean, there's, I've got a lot of articles out as well. I think if, if someone searches me, a lot, a, a, quite a few of those articles will will come up. Perfect. Well, I I highly recommend the book, the leadership Thank book. You. Really practical. Lots in there, like you say, common sense, but just makes sense. Certainly for people that haven't done any leadership training, it'll be really good for them too. Thank you very much for your time, Neil. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Visible Leader podcast. To stay up to date with the latest episode, hit the subscribe button. And I'd love to hear what you think, so please leave me a review. If you have any questions or comments, reach out to me, Corinne Hines on LinkedIn. LinkedIn.